The future. The polar ice caps have melted, covering the Earth with water. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Mutual Handshake Guilty Pleasures Movie Podcast. Uh, Today we are going to be discussing the 1995 sci-fi Kevin Costner vehicle, Waterworld. (laughs) So, moving straight on, we've got the the two people with me today. My name's Chris Hammond and we've got, to the right of me, a man who is familiar with the prospect of losing his home, not to global warming and flooding, but to his addiction to movie trailers. We've got the hobo. Say hello, hobo. Hello. Uh, And just to let you know, I did not lose the home. I never actually technically (laughs) had the home. Just a series of dwellings at any one time. (laughs) Just some shop doorways. (laughs) And then to the left of me, oh, guess who it is. One day, a black-sailed ship sailed away off to another place and the bearded captain became a father and then he came sailing back through black seas and stormy weather to the mutual handshake guilty pleasures movie podcast we've got captain blackshaw hello listeners it's great to be back i'm back like backstreet's back (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we should have uh, trumpets for your triumphant return (laughs) i would love trumpets inserts here now everybody (laughs) oh my god i'm back again (laughs) brothers sisters everybody sings (laughs) you do look like a young nick carter uh, there captain so today we are going to be uh, having a bit of a change up to an order. We've got some very special guests coming in later to discuss our top films and our films of the fortnight. So we're going to kick it off straight away with our film um, of the week, which is Waterworld. So Captain, why don't you let us know what Waterworld's all about? Well, Waterworld, this movie created in 1995, starts off with the world, the polar ice caps have melted, Earth is almost entirely submerged in water, and the remaining people travel the seas in search of survival. Now, several different societies do exist, but we follow the story of the Mariner. <laughs> is that his name? The Mariner. He goes by no other name. He's just simply known. The Mariner as well, nice. not Mariner. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point there, yeah. Hobo. Sounds like a chip shop. <laughs> the Mariner. Well, let's just say there's a backstory there as well mm. to do with him running a chippy before the movie. <laughs> How did you feel about the introduction, the Universal logo? And a voiceover with the with the water spreading over the, the land. The logo changing. Yeah. It's cool. And did you notice there's no other opening credits, just just that. There's no other opening to it. It's purely oh. the logo. What no title? No titles. Except from the Ulysses uh, <laughs> version it did show Waterworld yeah, Ulysses it, edition. It says Waterworld, but it, there's no like, like you music know how, intro yeah. or because mm-hmm. I, I often find that really takes after a really good sort mm-hmm. of introduction, which we're gonna talk about later, like one of the worst for really taking me out of it was speed, because it's just you're going down an elevator oh, shaft yeah. for ages and the all titles, you see is words I was like, I'm gonna fall asleep before I see anything else good. 
Yeah, so we, we went into straight from this Universal logo into um, Kevin Costner. Yes. Taking a leak. Taking a leak. <laughs> Pissing a bucket. Yeah. Got a bit thirsty. <laughs> the natural thing to do when surrounded only by salt water. <laughs> Maybe it's the, the way the film's subtly setting up what to expect. Piss. Yeah, so we've got the, the mutant Costner then. Um, what are you Whoa, thinking about spoilers. Costner? Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. The normal Costner, who is a normal man. What are you thinking about Costner in this film then, uh, Hobo? I'm curious about his hair. If it yeah. was a good choice for um, such a wet film. <laughs> it's already pretty thinning. And then mm-hmm. when he goes in the water, it looks like he hasn't got any hair. Do you think he needed to go to a water barber? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. It's funny you mention that, actually, Hobo, because what? speaking of streamlined... Uh, we find out, spoiler alert, uh, that the mariner is has the ability to swim underwater. So does he? Does he need to worry about being further streamlined? How does he do that, Captain? How, how does I can he swim, swim underwater? How does like he? <laughs> he can breathe underwater as well. Ah, yeah. That without is the difference. aid of snorkeling devices. <laughs> oh my! Because God. he has gills. Gills. Ooh. Gills behind both ears. Fully operational gills. Wait, how Good is this time. revealed though? Is this revealed at the very start? No, this is revealed. Obviously, he's in that. When he arrives at an atoll. Oh, yeah. An atoll, a man made atoll, may Mm. I say. It's not the Maldives, (laughs) the Seychelles. This is a a man made atoll. Not wanting to impregnate a local young child, Mm. uh, they go in uproar and throw the. The chap in a cage. Yeah, and they want to put him in some uh, mushy peas or gravy. <laughs> Chip yeah. shop curry. Chip it? shop curry. And said, go back to where <laughs> you came, Mariner. Mariner. <laughs> Which is about yeah, that curry. Deadly curry. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And they discover that he, he has gills at this stage. Um, and they, they think that's wrong because people cannot be different. Oh no, kill the guy who's a mutant who can swim underwater. When they live in a world of water... Fear of change, however. Fear of change. Change has already happened. They're living in <laughs> They don't change. want more. People <laughs> fear change. And don't you think, for a place that is very multicultural, uh, they can't accept a guy with gills? Yeah. What's so bad about gills and webbed feet? Exactly. Has, has nobody been to Doncaster? <laughs> 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 the character that Costner plays, the mariner is a prick. What makes you say that, Chris Hammond? He's, he's a horrible, horrible person. At the start, all the way through. I mean, like, before, when they've once thrown him, what, what little they know of him, how is he a prick up until he's that He's very rude. He doesn't want to get a drink with that guy with the mane, with the big bushy mane. He pushes that little kid on the floor. He's ready to sell Jean Triple Horn or Jean Triple Horn yeah. off to that to that weird guy so he can molest her yeah but think about when the drifter comes along and he's like you know when drifters meet we're gonna think and he's like no come on when drifters meet we're gonna do, I wanna do things right so he wants something he's selfish no, all the way through this film Costner is selfish and does everything yeah. for himself I do you know in many ways I agree with you Chris however we're talking a world where Global warming has caused the polar ice caps to melt. We don't even know what year it is. This is a world where the polar ice caps are melted. There's water everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a survival of the fittest. And, you know, he was he's a single man, the mariner. Mm-hmm. There's no history of him finding love before. 
and he, he has to have that life of solitude and survival. And Does he have to? Can't he open his door to is Gene Triplehorn? Is, oh, is he good when he wants to throw the little kid off the, off yeah. the boat well, and kill she her? she was annoying. She was Before he even annoying. knew her, he was ready to throw her off because she was weight. But in like, all fairness, if someone started drawing all over my property, <laughs> I'd, I'd throw them out of it as well. You would murder a child for, <laughs> for drawing pictures. Sounds a uh, sounds a, as a new father. I don't think it's that, <laughs> that sounds a perfectly reasonable. Option. He has come into this film introduced, and then he wants to push the little girl into the water and kill her. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see a relationship building, and then he's ready to sell Helen to the guy for him to molest her in the trade-off. Yeah, I. It, this is quite a long way into the film. He is. He, and then he pushes the little girl over. I he particularly does. liked that bit. Um, but <laughs> it's not realistic. People don't change like this, Chris. But like, this is a film, and we've got a couple of hours for him to go. Well, three hours. <laughs> three, hours <laughs> three hours in the Ulysses extended edition. <laughs> and, and we've got we've got to like this guy, and he's got to take us on the journey. And for me, I thought he spent too long, the Mariner spent too long being selfish and yeah. self-centred and a prick. Wow. I think one, one thing I'd like to discuss is the the, the baddie of the piece, really. Ooh, the baddie. <laughs> I would say Deacon. Mm. Played I... by the uh, rest in peace, Dennis Hopper. It's fantastic. He was, he was indeed. What's your views on, on <laughs> Deacon, Hobo? Well, he, he lost his eye, didn't he? That was a, a mm. big, important thing that's played a part later on definitely <laughs> strong pirate look though when yeah. you lose an eye but that that was what uh, bonded the hatred between the mariner um and the, and deacon he already seemed to have a hatred for people just just people yeah, but it in was general. i liked hopper in this actually i liked his um i thought he, he played it quite well very sinister his love yeah. of the golf courses was that in the <laughs> the original version that you wanted to build a golf course? Who wouldn't want to build a who golf would, course? Who wouldn't? Over water. Can you imagine between the atolls? <laughs> Marvellous. I mean, you'd need... It'd you'd be need an a... atoll in one. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh touche. No. The puns just keep coming today. Are you not surprised to hear, Hobo, that Chris doesn't think, this Deacon, what a good guy, because... In all honesty, he was nicer to the child than, uh, he was. than the mariner was. Mm. I think Deacon is we, the hero of the film. Here. Are we forgetting the bit where <coughs> someone suggested that the only way to look at the map on her back is to flatten it out, when it already looks pretty flat to me. Mm. So, and he goes, all right, cut her skin off. Yeah. But it doesn't happen, it's a joke, it's a whimsical joke. <laughs> it's not a joke, it's got her a, about to do it. He's got a dark sense of humour, just like Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> He loves a bit of a, a black comedy is his favourite. <laughs> Not adult though. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that takes us up for um, at the end of part one. We'll be back shortly with part two of our Waterworld podcast. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Mutual Handshake Guilty Pleasures um, movie podcast for Waterworld. <laughs> Okay, so in part one we discussed many things like the mariner, his uh, fishy abilities and his getting dumped in gravy. So what we're going to now come, I'd like to discuss 
the film as a whole, not the story or the characters. I want to discuss mm-hmm. Waterworld in 1995 yes. uh, and, and how this performed because, as far as I was aware, this was a, a bit of a a bit of a box office flop. Was the most expensive film ever made at that point, and for a long time on. Why do you think it flopped over? I think it was uh, ahead of its time. Surely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... About it, 500 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure why the budget was so high. Don't forget Hobo. Think about all those sets. All could, those practical sets. The atolls? Yeah, the atolls. The big tanker. All the explosions. Yeah, not much CGI. It, it was really a 157 day shoot as well. Yes. So it was a problem and shoot. They had to put Costner up in a four and a half thousand dollar mm. a night suite. Did you read yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I fact? read that as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah. apparently he was put up in this hotel suite, beachfront, obviously, which is ironic because they were looking for land. <laughs> he could have just got really Costner's pad. Oh, he's at his after bodyguard and after Prince of Thieves yeah. demands. Oh yeah, yeah. four and a half thousand dollar a night with with a butler, obviously. Sounds like I, he did live in his own world and everyone else had theirs. What do, what do you think it was about Costner at this time? He seemed uh, raw and rebellious and... Uh, I mean, he's coming off the back of some amazing films. I mean, we're talking Perfect World, The Bodyguard, JFK, Robin Hood, uh, Dances with Wolves, Field of Dreams, and then... Unstoppable. And the then Waterworld. The man was Goldust. And he is Goldust. Yeah, he's got a certain weight about it. Even now... When he comes onto a film, there's a certain gravitas. Yeah. Yes, we're talking Man of Steel here. Yes. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, he's good in that. Oh. But then after that, so he did Waterworld, and then we're looking at <laughs> Tinkle. Great, beautiful, great film. terrible film. Amazing film. film. The Best Postman. Play it to the bone. Awesome. Message in it. What are these films? For the love of the game. Keep going. Road to Graceland, followed by Road to Graceland. Followed by Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. I mean this. Have you uh, seen 3,000 Miles to Graceland? No. It's good. To me, all you've done is hype me up for more Kevin Costner. Um, I want more. Can't get enough. Yeah. But what, what was it? Do you think this film ruined him? I don't think it ruined him. I think every actor goes through peaks Through waves. Drops. They go through waves <laughs> in their career. Um, and sometimes if they have a bad film, their career sinks for a while. <laughs> but what about it had uh, three attractions at Universal Studios? Oh yeah, three. yeah. Mm. Three. Well, you've got Hollywood, Singapore, and Japan. Mm. Um, oh, do you, so and just, all of yeah, these okay. water world you attractions, three different water no, world attractions, multiple, multiple sites. Not in one place. All of these water world attractions are still running this year, 2015. Wow. No. Some say like that the, say. the log flume at Alton Towers was inspired by Waterworld. Some do. Some do. Some don't. <laughs> That's true. Well, some don't one. as well. Yeah. I mean, and by some, I mean all. I I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what I'd also like to discuss is the ending of the film, because I'm quite aware that the ending that myself and Captain have seen might be slightly different to the one that was theatrically released. Uh, released back when it was a 12 certificate. No, yes. There was no 12A at that point. Um, so the version that myself and the captain watched, um, when they reached dry land, they went in and found like an abandoned village with yeah. dead bodies in. Was that in the... Oh, dead bodies. No. Yeah, Two skeletons. skeletons. Yeah, and diagrams of drawings of the tattoo. I don't, I don't know if I missed the skeletons, but they found like a little hut and it was where the kid was and... Um, there's something of hers. The music box? Yeah. 
and she was like, I'm home. I'm home. But she didn't mention the music box at any point. No. Mm. But sometimes you forget things. She's only a young child and it but, wasn't until she got there yeah, that that sounded for I remember. Why well, wasn't at any point in the movie maybe she was humming it to herself? Mm. Oh, there was the bit where she's humming. Maybe for a rewatch. Oh. It might be that tune. Very subtle. Not inspired. Well, so <laughs> watch Waterworld again tonight. <laughs> it's good little things like that. If she was humming it at the start mm. and then that's the tune at the end, I'm happy with that. That's good. It just really felt like after everything I watched, she just went, I'm home and I would have if I was stood behind her, I would have gone, How do you know that? Prove it. Just so <laughs> I think it comes to the time when we need to make a decision mm. and decide where does Waterworld lie? <laughs> is it is it on the top of Mount Everest or is it at the bottom of the ocean? Are we throwing Waterworld into the sunken depths of the Hall of Shame or is it rising to the top in the Hall of Fame? Hobo. Hobo, over to you. Where are you putting, where are you putting Waterworld? I'm a, I'm a big Cosner guy. I am a massive Cosner yeah. fan. Oh no, there was a point where if I just watched this film I'd be... Mm-hmm. I've been loving it. I would be great, all in, but I'm all out. I'm, I'm, I'm all out. Stepping away from this one. Oh, oh he's, well, he's, so, he's yeah. saying so no. He's saying no. It's hall of shame. It's terrible. It's I couldn't. Wow. It, it was hard to watch. Wow. A, a, a sound that you can hear a pin drop. What a splash! <laughs> so, Captain, <laughs> how about you? Uh, Waterworld. Kevin Costner, ninety-five. 175 million dollars. Is it going in the Hall of Fame or is it going in the Hall of Shame? Difficult decision here, chaps. (laughs) Very difficult. As is it a hall? Is it a Hall of Fame? Is it truly a guilty pleasure? I'm going with no. It's not a guilty pleasure. Oh, because this is just a classic, great film. So I cannot say it is a guilty pleasure. It's not going in my Hall of Fame as a guilty pleasure. Purely for the reason, I feel no guilt watching this. I think it's a great film and possibly the best film from the year that it came out. A very deceptive reveal there. You had me. Uh, so you're not putting it in either the Hall of Fame or the Hall no, of Shame? No, I'm abstaining. You're abstaining your vote. Um, I think that we could stain things. And I will have to admit, um, I liked a lot about this film. I liked great. the concept. I liked uh, the sets. Yes. I liked the stunts. Um, it looked fantastic. Beautiful. But the character of the Mariner for me just mm, not sympathetic. Not a hero no. I could get behind. Um, I didn't like him. He turned it round in the last ten minutes, but I needed more okay. from him. And for that reason, I have got to plop this one in the Hall of Shame. Well, so that's <laughs> essentially with my with my vote as well, sort of being through abstinence <laughs> <laughs> essentially that becomes a, a, a hall of shame yeah. it's terribly mm. it's just not not well written at all no, it is joining Wild Wild West down in the depths it doesn't of deserve, hall of shame Wild Wild West doesn't deserve that it's not reached the heights of Mean Girls or Sister Act 2 oh my God. or Masters of the Universe but don't forget that the next podcast is going to be a sports special. <laughs> sports movie spoilers. Okay, we'll be coming back shortly with some special guests. 
Okay, so we've got a, um, a little special feature for you today, listeners. We're joined by two extra people. We've got Matt, who came from the last podcast, Starship Troopers. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. <laughs> and then we've also got a new member coming into the Mutual Handshake uh, Guilty Pleasures podcast. We've got the Sandman. Hello, Sandman. Hello. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling grand, thank you. Ooh, grand. <laughs> so what we're going to do now, because there's five of us, we're going to discuss our top five opening scenes. This idea was put forward by Brian Waller. Thank you very much for that, Brian. Very much appreciate it. Great work, Brian. Good one, Brian. Um, so we're going to kick this off with Matt. What is your favourite opening scene from any film? Right. My favourite opening scene has taken a lot of thought. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here. Uh, ah. I'm right. Scared. The first thing I thought of was Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yes. Ooh, oh, good. That's not the, the bit where oh. they all go, they're on the boats, yep. the crashes. That's not the opening scene. The old man is. The old man's the opening mm. scene. Old Matt Damon. Yes. So we need to be careful that it's not an opening sequence. All oh, right, so okay. It depends what you're thinking is a scene. Oh, because it might not be. I brought this at the same point. Scene. I was mm. confused because there's a couple, but like, I mean, if you think of Star Wars. The, the very first opening thing is just text. Mm. And so that, yeah, that's not, that's the opening scene. So the two that I thought of, Fire well, away. first of all, I thought of The Matrix. Yeah. The opening scene. Her R- on remind the phone. me, remind me how that So, starts. what's the character's name again? Is it Neo. Neo. No. Trinity. Trinity. She's on the phone, opens up, starts <laughs> with a phone call. She's in a building, they're coming Trinity, the police come in, she breaks one of the guy's arms, she yeah. jumps up, freezes, mm. bang, kicks him into the wall. First time you see that shot ever. Iconic, yes. yeah, bullet vision. vision. The mm. bullet vision that's shot. Mm. That's that's quality. But what oh, it's I'm, not bullet, bullet time. Oh, bullet time. What I'm gonna actually choose as my opening scene is Scream. Huh? Oh, oh good nice. opening scene. Drew Barrymore picks up the phone. Yeah. We're gonna play a game, and I'll know that's. What's your favorite scary movie? Exactly, <laughs> favorite scary movie builds attention, and it's basically changed the way that modern mm. horror movies are mm. made. That opening scene, leading with the brutal stabbing as she runs through. It also inspired a lot of dreadful dirge, though. Scream. It is responsible for the scary. I know movie. what you did. <laughs> I know what you did last Can summer. Can you blame the beginning scene? No, well, no, a classic well, opening well, that scene. That beginning scene was also inspired inspired by Psycho, where they killed off like the big star. Of the yeah, story, and that yeah. was the same with yeah. Drew. But a lot of years have gone past, mm. yeah. and I think a lot of people went in the cinema to see Scream, thinking, "Oh, what's this all about?" And then were taken aback by that yeah, beginning, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. beginning yeah. scene, and were like, "Right, this is." something more than I expected it to be so that's mine so we've got Scream thrown in Ooh. there by Matt good good opener good opening to this section um, so Captain what are you thinking and what's your favourite opening scene from a film well, follow that well <laughs> how to follow that indeed a great choice there Matt um, I had much of the same thought is it a scene is it a sequence um, and I came to two conclusions really two, two that I I sort of initially I wanted to go with the Dark Knight and the Joker's oh, yeah. raid. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Joker's oh, raid at the mm. bank. It's uh, it, it a classic opening, mm. and I think literally sets the scene. Mm. Um, between widescreen and IMAX as well. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yes, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was superb. 
However, ultimately, I went for the beginning of Up. Oh, oh I don't yeah. know if it's a beginning scene. Is, is it, it not? a scene How or a sequence? Ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It is ten minutes. But it is. It, it's, it's just like a, a. What's the thing at the start of it? Montage or? No, like log. Uh, prologue. 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 It is a, yeah. it's yes. a prologue. It's a beautiful prologue. And it's mm. difficult to separate, but heartbreaking. Um, the story of love and loss um, and what ifs. I think um, this is one of a few times where I'm happy that I, I saw a trailer because like I was what obviously you see the trailers for it and you see what it's all about and when you're watching that opening prologue you're just like at no point in any of these trailers have I seen this woman and it's slowly going on in time and you're just like I, I, I was mm-hmm. fi- I was feeling the end before it's coming mm-hmm. not in a way that would ruin it oh I'm yeah like, oh god. I don't want to see her die. Why do, what are we going to do? And it's beautiful. Oh, it's I feel like the scene, a scene takes place in a certain specific place. Mm. It's difficult for me to say. I, I th- those are the two that I sort of went with. And I, I'm going to try and break the rules a little here. <laughs> for what I consider to be <laughs> Twice in, in one day. an animated classic. Um, and, go, and go with up. I'm prepared to have that on my head. I'm a rule breaker. Life on the edge, people. <laughs> Especially our US listeners. <laughs> so, Hobo, that brings us on to you nicely in the middle of the fire. Uh, what's your favourite opening scene or sequence? Well, well, I think that the, from my choices, that actually brings me quite well because my choices are either a scene or a sequence. Mm. The sequence being, there will be blood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. which is a sequence of, and it's like, well, how long is it? Is it like 20, 20 minutes? Oh, 20 minutes? 20? No, yeah. It's just and without and dialogue. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to be able to pull that off, absolutely amazing. Johnny Greengrass. Mm. Green. Green wood. Green wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed that earlier. I thought you were talking about Greengrass from Heartbeat. Yes. That would have been <laughs> even better. Oh, yeah. he, he, would have been great. he would have been selling blood <laughs> in the local pub, I'd imagine. <laughs> but my, the one I actually chose, and now I'm glad because it is an opening scene as well, so it sticks, is Nick Back Berry. to the Future. Ah. If you remember, it's a long panning shot across clocks yeah. um, as we're all just about to hit a set time. But what it's doing during this long pan shot is setting up all this history of Doc Brown, mm-hmm. um, all the, the sort of how he's found some uranium because he's yeah. got little bits mm-hmm. of, and yeah. also sets up what sort of lifestyle he's living in with how he set this automated thing to feed his dog, and it's just a then there's is that the Marty Amp scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> into that all one beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably a cut at some point where, uh, in fact. It's, I know it at least gets to the point where his feet, you see his feet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole sequence is the amp scene as well. It's, and if you, I think it's on like one of the special features. If you think back when they made that film as well, none of that was digital. That all had to be hand done. So it's like hundreds of clocks all had to be set to the exact same time. Every time they shot through the scene to do this long panning shot, it's one of the most technically brilliant opening scenes I've ever seen. Nice. Good very excited hobo there. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Oh, very good selection. Um, uh, that brings us on to the Sandman. So, oh. Sandman, what's your what's your favourite opening scene? Well, again, as everyone else, it's deliberating between <laughs> what's the uh, opening sequence and scene, but uh, 
I did come to the conclusion that Up was probably one of my favourites. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I thought, with that being a prologue, as we were, <laughs> uh, we're figured out already, uh, I'm going to go with Reservoir Dogs. Uh, the opening scene in the cafe. Oh, oh yes. the, um, yeah. this is the small, like a smallest violin. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. world's smallest violin playing just for the for the waiter. And the fuck like a virgin. And the yeah, the yeah. Madonna likes big dicks apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the reason nice. why I'm going for this is simply because I think that that film was uh, so influential on the generation of filmmakers mm. to follow, and that scene typifies the whole film for me because it's all about the dialogue being so non-story driven mm. it's just people in a room talking but yeah. during that conversation you can already identify each of the characters and what they bring to the to the group mm. like you have obviously uh, the, Steve boss. Bush, the boss yeah. and Steve mm. Buscemi is kind of like the yeah. selfish whiny. slightly mm. whiny one and and Michael Madsen's a sort of cool, sort of nodding, and uh, yeah, he opens like the bit of the leader. He's yeah, organising the tip. And yeah, mm. just through that simple dialogue, you, mm. you're already walking in, knowing exactly what you need to know about these characters, and there's no story whatsoever going on. So I think just for that reason, that that scene sets everything for filmmakers from future generations and a different path. Oh, so wow, good, good selection. We did, also, we did also discuss, because me and Sandman have just come down here on horses, and we did also <laughs> discuss Goodfellas. Oh. In the beginning scene when they're in the car, and they're nonchalantly talking away, and then they hear the banging in the back, stabbing the, mm. the maid guy, shooting him, as long, as long as I remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster. Oh, mm, good, yeah, opening yeah, scene. Yeah. Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Great choices so far. So, Chris Hammond. Um, I originally considered um, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, I, I, I remember that. seeing that film as probably about a 13-year-old young boy, probably shouldn't have been watching it, and just thinking that that opening scene was fantastic. He signalled but, the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. But strangely enough, the first film that came to my mind was Intermission, the Irish film with um, with Colin Farrell. Um, remember watching that opening scene where Colin Farrell is off like all the big Hollywood films, and he comes in and he's just playing like the Irish kind of gypsy, and he's talking to that young lady about um, about love and how you can just meet someone and there's a spark and next thing you know you're living with that person and sleeping with them and then someone exits the shop that, he's, that they're in and he says oh maybe I'm just here to rob you and she's like what and he's like maybe I'm here to just break your jaw and just punches her in the face um, Good and just, yeah. just remember thinking that, oh, fuck I'm not expecting this yeah. at all awesome. um, so that's my, my choice intermission wow. is that the same film where the, is it they always put is it brown sauce yeah, yeah. yeah. because they've stolen loads of brown sauce from a factory is it, if anyone's not seen it quality film good uh, yeah. good British film I haven't film. watched it in so long and now I want to watch it again because I, I remember being amazing that's a film I've never seen I'm going to uh, be downloading that from a reputable source very <laughs> <laughs> soon I just want to also shout out for Jaws as well Jaws yeah. I went to Jaws good opening scene yes so let's remind the listeners of what our top five is so Matt what was your, your suggestion S- my suggestion was Scream and then over to Captain. Mine was a bit of a cheat, but up. Hobo. Um, back to the future. Sandman. 
Reservoir dogs. A man was into mission. We're just taking a brief intermission. <laughs> Ice cream's available in the foyer. Okay, ladies and gents, it is film of the fortnight time. So it's a chance for us all to recommend a film that's either out at the local cinema multiplex, it's on a DVD home release, or maybe it's something just there for your televisual pleasure. Um, I'm going to kick us off then with the very first recommendation. And my recommendation is a film that's currently out at the cinemas, and it's called Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy? What's Love this? and Mercy. This follows the story of uh, the Beach Boys. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Paul Dano, Dano. Paul Dano's in it, mm. yes, correct. Cusack. Uh, John oh, Cusack yeah. as well, playing the same person. Uh, although they look nothing alike. Um, I think it looks a great film. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Beach Boys myself. And I think it'll be quite an interesting take. If only Costner in Waterworld could have found a beach. <laughs> if only Costner could have starred in this film. That's my question. Played the third generation. Played a third generation. Costner Brian. next to Kuzak. I would love that. I love a bit, a bit of Kuzak. Exactly. <laughs> All I'm saying is Hot Tub Time Machine 3. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even come back for two. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. Maybe we can lure him in. He did a scene. I no. Sandman has seen Hot Tub Time Machine 2. So that's um, my recommendation. What about you, Sandman? Uh, my recommendation is on TV oh. and it's Dread on film. Ooh, nice. Carl Urban? Yes, Carl mm. Urban. It's the modern day guilty pleasure, I would think it has. It's not a particularly well received by critics Ooh. or didn't do that well at box office, but it's just a thoroughly entertaining action romp. It's uh, got the um, lady from Game of Thrones. It does. I it? thought it was a, an awesome film. Yeah, I, I liked it. Like it was, a lot of people compared it, and I still haven't seen this film, but I want to. The no, Raid. Don't oh, the Raid. you've not the seen Raid. The Raid. It oh, is brilliant. Dread is basically the Raid for people that don't like subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, because I saw one thing, it was like in a preview to get you to watch it, and it did want to make me want to watch it, is... Uh, special effects thing how a guy falls down and he cracks his oh, spine it's on mm. and they showed how they mm. did that I was like this looks like a film I, mm. I want to see I was gonna say good TV stuff. recommendation there yeah. Sandman what about you Hobo uh, I'm going to go with a film which it came out I think the initial release was about the end of November uh, last year but it looks like it's coming out in cinemas of the UK now Comet Comet. Yes. Is it about the electrical goods store? <laughs> <laughs> Going bust. <laughs> um, and it's not a follow-up to Deep Impact or, or PC like World. Or, no. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful film for those people who like those ones that sort of mess with your head about a, a sort of a couple going through their relationship. Well, a guy going through his sort of relationship with a person there, sort of meeting mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it's very much like. A dreamscape style style thing where um, you don't quite fully. It's one of those. It's it's a thinker really. It's <laughs> it's, it's he's, he's going through his memories essentially from from what I get from it, and I don't want to I don't want to say anything more. Maybe sometimes the less you know is better. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. It's a, just a beautiful for anyone who has been in a relationship. Um, it's beautiful. Said by the words of a man truly in love. <laughs> <laughs> I once loved a rat. 
<laughs> oh, don't get graphic. He called his rats Ben. <laughs> just, just like Michael Jackson <laughs> and his pet rats Ben. Is everyone aware? The I, think I, I, I think it was a hamster, personally. <laughs> 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 Controversial Michael Jackson talk. <laughs> Nevertheless, it did not require any Jesus juice for the love to happen. Ah, good show. So, Matt. Over to you for your uh, film of the fortnight. Um, my film of the fortnight is a film that I watched the other day, and then it was on uh, BBC Two. And I rang my brother, and my brother was actually watching it the very next night by chance. Director's cut, Zodiac. Ooh. Oh! And I was actually thinking of choosing this as one of my great beginning scenes as well, um, with the two kids on Lovers Lane. Mm, yeah. Zodiac comes, drives away, comes back, shoots them both quality opening scene but yeah if you uh, have a look I'm sure it's on some channel somewhere um, (laughs) you can uh, go on the internet pay for it um, or not pay for it (laughs) or you can buy it or you can come around to Chris's because he's probably T-Bowed it yes I have I have T-Bowed it it was oh, on yeah. last night on, on TV, so if you have a time machine, you can go back. <laughs> oh, a hot tub. Oh, hot tub <laughs> John Cusack, if you're out there. <laughs> and a glass of Chernobyl energy drink, <laughs> or, or whatever it's called. Right, well, I'm also going to go for a film that's been on TV recently, but it's also coinciding with one of its uh, sequels being released in the cinema. Uh, Mission Impossible, the original Brian De Palma, oh, right. is, yeah. is back on TV this week, and I just think it's a, a great film. Yeah. Um, I agree. Really yeah. kickstarted a franchise that's kind of went, it's had its peaks and troughs, but that original one by far I think stands the test of time. The first one is definitely a thriller, mm. and all the rest have been action. Mm. Yeah. Who does number two? John Woo. John Woo, yeah. John Woo. Doves, lots of doves. Ghost mm. Protocol was three with. I'm, I'm not a fan. No, that was four. Really was that four? Yeah. That was the Brad Bird. I think three is yeah. just yes. called three. Yeah. MI3 was it Seymour Hoffman oh yeah. yeah of course yeah. the late Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman R.I.P. R.I.P. Phil <laughs> big love so that's our films of the fortnight so if you want to just remind us again Captain what was yours my film of the fortnight was Love and Mercy and Hobo Comet Matt Waterworld and Sam <laughs> <laughs> Sandbag Dread and mine was Mission Impossible. So that's another uh, Mutual Handshake Guilty Pleasures podcast. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, goodbye everyone. <laughs>